Father, this evening, we come to you. We gather to worship you and to worship your son, Jesus. And so, Father, I ask that you would speak to us this evening. Speak to us from your word. Father, show us something of your son. Show us something of your glory. Father, there is uh, much joy in this season, and there's also many minds that are distracted and discouraged and even depressed. And so, Father, we want to see a clear image of your Son this evening. So, Father, do that miracle in our hearts and in our understanding. Father, from your word, show us something of the glory of your Son. Father, may our hearts uh, be found to have good soil so that your word would be planted deep and spring to life and bear much fruit. Father, thank you for this season. All glory to you and to your son, Jesus. Amen. Our reading this evening is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the word of the Lord. The first living nativity scene was probably performed on Christmas Eve in the year 1223 AD, 798 years ago this evening. And St. Francis of Assisi gets credit for the idea. He built a crib in a cave near the village of Greccio, Italy. He had actors dressed as Mary and Joseph, and he used a wax doll for baby Jesus. He also included an ox and a donkey, which fits well with what we know about St. Francis. You see, Francis was very fond of animals, and sometimes he would even preach to them which is just an odd bit of Christian history. 
The village gathered that Christmas Eve with candles in hand and took in the sights and probably the smells as St. Francis preached to them. His aim with this idea was to make Christ feel close, to make him feel more real to the people. As they watched the moving images before them, Francis spoke these words. He said, Behold your God, a poor and helpless child, the ox and donkey beside him, Your God is of your flesh. Whatever you might think of St. Francis' methods, you've got to love his message. Think about it. Behold your God. Is that not the message of this season? Is that not what Christmas is about? So that the world would behold their God. In the passage I just read, verses 6 through 11 have the rhythm of a hymn or a poem. It's known as the hymn of Christ. And Paul here is urging the saints in the city of Philippi to unity. And the high point of Paul's argument is the humility of Jesus. You see, how could there be anything but sweet unity among believers if in humility... All of us considered others more significant than ourselves. Then Paul used this hymn to showcase the humility of Christ. The hymn traces the arc of the existence of the Son of God from eternity past to eternity future. It's a sweeping view of the Son of God from glory to humility and back to glory. This evening, I want to show you four things from this hymn about the Jesus that we celebrate tonight and the Jesus that we will celebrate tomorrow morning. You see, this poor and helpless child, the ox and donkey beside him, is far more than merely a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. First, this hymn tells us that he was divine. Before the manger, the Son of God, and this is in verse 6, the Son of God was in the form of God. That is, He had the very nature of God. Elsewhere, Paul called Him the image of the invisible God. And the author of the book of Hebrews calls Him the radiance of the glory of God. And He was the exact imprint of God's nature. The Son was not merely with God at the beginning. He was God. He was God in nature and in power and in glory. He was the creator of all things. And even today, He upholds this universe by the word of His power. As you behold the face of this child, Jesus was divine. So with St. Francis, I say, behold your God. Second, this hymn teaches us that the divine Son of God somehow took on human flesh. Infinite power and glory was at his disposal. And yet, in verses 6 and 7, we see that he did not count his equality with God a thing to be grasped or to be held on to. 
but rather he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. That word literally means slave. Jesus came from glory and took the form of a slave being born in the likeness of men. So now it should be clear why Paul used Christ as the ultimate model for humility. You see, for a king to mix with common folk, we say that that's beneath him. It's beneath his dignity. But for the almighty, all-glorious creator and sustainer of the universe to lower himself in this manner, to wrap himself in human flesh, was infinitely beneath him. And let me add that the Son of God did not enter the world as he had created it. What he created was good, yet man rebelled against his creator and plunged all of creation under the curse of sin. For God to humble himself and enter his own creation is a wonder. But that he would enter a world under the dark curse of sin is a marvel beyond all comprehension. Fathom that as you look into the face of this child. He was divine, and he humbly took the form of a slave and entered into a world rightfully cursed because of its rebellion against him. Third, this hymn tells us that the Son of God submitted himself to death. Verse 8, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And it wasn't just any death. Jesus allowed himself to be killed on a cross. Crucifixion was the most horrific form of execution available to the Romans. They designed it to be a public, agonizing, bloody, and humiliating method of torture and death. It was the ultimate punishment for crimes against Rome. That doesn't make it into too many Christmas stories, does it? Well, why would Jesus do it? Why would Jesus submit himself to a violent execution? Well, all of Scripture testifies to this glorious truth. Christ died for our sins. It was for our sins that Jesus endured the cross. To borrow from R.C. Sproul, our sin against the Creator was nothing less than cosmic treason. It demanded that justice be served, and in Jesus Christ, full justice and sweet mercy unite. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. What kind of humility is this? What kind of love are we dealing with here? Jesus was divine. Jesus took the form of a slave, and then he submitted himself to a bloody crucifixion for the sins of his rebellious creatures. Behold your God. Finally, the hymn tells us that God exalted the divine Son to the glory he had with him before the world existed. This Jesus was killed buried, and rose again on the third day, just as the Scriptures foretold. Verse 9, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name 
the name. That's his unveiled glory and the full authority that is above every name. And then our hymn proclaims the twofold purpose of his glorious exaltation. Verse 10. So that at this name, at the name of Jesus, one, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And two, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's the thing. This hymn makes no distinction. God restored Jesus to glory, to his full and rightful authority, so that... Note those words, so that the purpose of exalting Jesus was so that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. It is inescapable. Every knee will bow. Some will bow before King Jesus in adoration and worship. Others will fall before him in dread because they have resisted his kingdom and judgment is near. Some will confess that he is Lord, but their confession will be made, made under duress like an enemy rebel. Others, though, will confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But here's my plea to you this Christmas Eve. As you take in the sights and the sounds of the nativity, as you look at the face of this child, I urge you to behold your God. In the manger, he may appear a poor and helpless child, an ox and donkey beside him, but there is far more to this baby. See him as he really is. See him as divine. See that in his humanity, he took on human flesh, and see that he submitted himself to a bloody execution for your sins. And though you and I are not worthy of a king like this, let us embrace him. Yeah, let us embrace him with all that we are and all that we have for the salvation of our souls and for our everlasting joy. There's no greater gift that I could offer you this Christmas than what has already been offered to you by this child. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Come, says the prophet Isaiah. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. People, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Come and behold your God. Let me pray for you this evening. Oh, Father, we... We want to behold your Son. We want to behold something of his glory. So, Father, I pray that you would do that work in our hearts. 
Father, I pray that we would not let this season fly by us with its thousand distractions, but Father, that there would be a deep meditation and contemplation about what your word reveals to us about this child. Father, reveal him to us. Father, do that miracle in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.